Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger-hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein. Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. You get one new episode for every donation. Please help us keep going by giving to The Okra Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. You can find out how to donate in the show notes. This week's patron is Sergio Robles. I know that guy. Um, and this week's guest returning champion of Kill by Kill podcast, it's Patrick Hamilton. Welcome back. Greetings and salutation, Bren. <laughs> I've, oh God, I've already completely melted. It's not as, <laughs> it's not as hot as it, I, I can't even use the heat as, as an excuse anymore, but I'm just fully it, <laughs> melted it is, down. We, you, this happens to be recording at a time where it's going to get so hot that the forest is going to spontaneously combust yet again, so... It's just, it's one of those times. We have, well, everyone else gets to enjoy pumpkin spice lattes and, and fall. This is like the dog days of summer for us. It's, it's just the way Southern California operates. Yeah, summer doesn't really get cooking until around October. <laughs> yeah, it's just like one of those things where September and October are just terrible around here. And it doesn't matter where you live. We live very close to the ocean, and it doesn't matter. It's just going to be hell this week. It's, you know, the, the miracle of the seasons changing. <laughs> you Listen, California is not a place for seasons. That's not why we're here. It's just the vast majority of the time, it's very nice until it's not. And this is going to be a week of not. I'm just going to try not to think about it. Um, but what we can think about which is also not great um, is season 2 episode 2 of Freddy's Nightmares Mm -hmm. Heartbreak Hotel Mm -hmm. the original air date was October 15th 1989 Um, here's what you could have watched that weekend instead and now now this is now we're cooking with gas Patrick Yeah, because we've got the fabulous Baker Boys which is a fantastic movie um, all equally fantastic. Look who's talking. Oh my god! Made for like f- two dimes rubbed together so hard that sparks fly off of it, and yet it becomes a phenomenon. Like the world didn't know babies could talk, and then all of a sudden babies are talking. They're like, "My God, someone!" You know, they 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 took a puzzle piece, and all of a sudden it fits into my heart. It's a terrible movie. Yeah, and but look, I. I will, just because of my affinity for Amy Heckerling, I'll be like, you know what? Any of the good parts that succeeded, that was her, baby. Yeah, that's right. Um, And also, another equally great classic, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Oh, boy. You know, we briefly considered um, trucking in the mid-Halloween sequels, Mm -mm. and I started watching 4, and I'm like, you know what? I was right to make out all the way through this. This is kind of terrible. I have not and picked four it up is like yet. The best of the late ones. What that? What? Four, four is the best of the late ones until like H2O. They do focus a lot on her getting a boyfriend to marry. It, it's really odd. It's so odd and so Provo, Utah. Like, I just can't watch it without going, oh, I got the Provo, Utah all over this. It's. It doesn't look like it doesn't look like Illinois. It doesn't look like South Pasadena, and it's. Um, I thought when they first truck into that that 
an insane asylum and he's he's shacked up in the boiler room i'm like hey this is my kind of movie baby <laughs> and then the rest of the movie took place i'm like no this is a dud i don't like, I, don't, I don't care for any of this it's not fun beyond like putting shoving thumbs through foreheads uh, that's which is my idea of a good time um <laughs> but i will say you know it does it might look like utah but i do like that it looks like a place <laughs> um but yeah so we're but we're not here to talk about michael we're here to talk about freddie no no, no um, let's go back and talk about michael let's just reminisce for <laughs> mm, the next 45 minutes what do you say like what do you have to lose brennan like uh, i gotta edit these podcasts before i go to bed <laughs> oh oopsie. Um, no that's okay um but yeah the writer of this episode is jonathan glasner who also wrote on stargate the outer limits and six other episodes of this show <laughs> Um, is directed by William Malone, who did the House on Haunted House Hill on Haunted remake. Hill, like there's some style going on here. Like he's cutting his teeth. Um, House on Haunted Hill, much better movie than this episode. But I will say, in terms of like the pre the season one opener, this is a bit more cinematic. Yeah, you you can see the kind of inklings of who he would become. He just, he knows not to lock a camera off. He, no one's awkwardly placed in the frame. There's a lot of, there's cuts that create movement and, and tell a story, especially in the first segment. Um, it just, it feels more like a person who filmed a lot of, you know, tales from the crypt. And that's also a place where he made his bones. Like he's he had a lot more budget there, but this is a guy who knows how to create footage to make an actual piece of cinema or television. Yeah, like he he might be being a workman right now, but he he has the the chops in there. Yes. Um, and the the cast is not quite as exciting as last week, but there's still some interesting personalities. Um, <laughs> yeah. We that's have one way to put it. We have Stacy Keach Sr. who who birthed Stacy Keach upon the world. <laughs> Congratulations um, for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's more than I can say, so he's got that going for him. Yeah. And as Jerry, we have Richard Cox, who is the killer in cruising. Yeah. Uh, um, well, is there a killer in cruising? There seems to be several killers in in cruising. He, he's the one who is caught. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and the one who gets the really boring stare down when Al Pacino's at the, the park outside his apartment. Oh, yeah. Um, God, the third act is so boring and the, the rest of the movie is so good. The rest but... of the movie is so good. And it's such an interesting time capsule. It's, there's a lot going on there and it just doesn't know how to wrap it up. It's the problem because I think it's very confused about how to do that. Yeah, it's, um, okay, no, we... I have talked about cruising. Moving forward, um, <laughs> as um, as the credits put it, as waitress Mary, even though she is room service <laughs> and not a waitress, um, no. but we have Tiffany Helm, who you know quite intimately as Violet, who does the robot in Friday the Thirteenth: A New Beginning, and doing some sort of Palookaville accent here. It's very interesting. She seems to be an Okie from Fanoki. Yeah, nobody knows where Ohio is who makes this show. <laughs> well, she's a transplant. People can wander in and out of Springville. It's not like they, they check your passport at the border or anything. 
So it's it's perfectly fine that she finds herself in Ohio, but it is an odd choice to all of a sudden adapt an accent that it doesn't help the performance at all. But you know what? You know, at least Tiffany uh, has that one robot to uh, hang her hat on. <laughs> that just sounds like she invented a hat rack robot, and I would have watched that episode. <laughs> Um, but yes, so we we fade in. Um, there's a guy who's writing for basically, you know, the National Enquirer, like Weekly World News kind of publication. Without pictures, though. There's no pictures on these headlines. This is a problem. Tabloids use pictures, everyone. That's true. And they do talk about, like, doctoring pictures, but we never see any of them. No, that would take work. Work that no one wants to do. And so... That is we why the story got scrapped. <laughs> yeah, even the New York Post puts pictures on the front of their papers, folks. This is, uh, it, it somewhat takes away from the credibility of Freddy's Nightmares. This is not As a documentary we learn. Um, but yeah, so basically, he has a, the, the energy of this opening scene is maniacal. <laughs> um <laughs> So the the main guy, um, his boss, his lady boss comes in. She's like, I just came to say goodbye. And Put he's some like, respect on Gloria Loring's name. This Days of Our Lives veteran. Okay, good to know. See, this again, this is why we have you on, because I, I did not know that. <laughs> For Days of Our Lives knowledge. Yes, of course. Look, that's what I need. I, I, I don't have the attention span to watch all 80,000 episodes of the show. <laughs> Well, you didn't have a mom who forced you to record all of them on VHS, so I did. No, see, and that we all come from different backgrounds, and <laughs> diversity is important. Um, yes. She played Liz Chandler on Days of Our Lives, um, oh. and not forever, only for like six years, but um, those would be six years which I was forced by my mother to record five days a week of Days of Our oh Lives. My God. Uh, no, it was, it was a duty and mm -hmm. an honor. It was. Well, it allowed me to learn. I was the only person in the house who knew how to operate a VCR, which means I could record late night with David Letterman at night as opposed to during the day. And it also meant that I was the person who could try to cruise cable for, uh, for CD, uh, horror movies to watch from like USA network. Well, and that, that does seem to have really informed your life in general. <laughs> yeah. Hasn't it? That's a t-shirt I wear every day, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, th this scene with Gloria Loring, um, mm -hmm. put respect on that name, um, <laughs> is, it's like a Salvador Dali painting. There's a football helmet, he throws her a jawbreaker. <laughs> There's a lot of business. There's a lot of business. Oh, yeah, it's nothing but business. And he's like, I'm no longer writing this doo-doo. <laughs> I'm gonna work for the Chicago Tribune. Um, but then he wakes up. Oh, well, no, but she, there's a weird dream part about like, she's like, well, how's this for a story? World Enquirer reporter commits suicide and then they put his head in a paper cutter and then he wakes up. Yeah. Um, and so he wakes up and Gloria Loring is still there. So, you know, we're still living in a perfect world. <laughs> but he's fallen asleep on his jawbreaker, which is an affectation I have not seen before and have not seen since. Because a large jawbreaker in your mouth impedes your ability to form words so that television audiences can understand you. Yeah, it it's a it's a it's one of many mysteries in this episode. Yeah. Um basically 
he he's being sent on assignment to Springwood, Ohio, because there was an Elvis sighting at this o- old hotel. Um, which truly, that that elevator pitch, I would definitely you know greenlight this episode because I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> I wish it had more Elvis overtones. To be honest with you, I wish it had the it followed through on the setup, but it instantly becomes something else that has nothing to do with Elvis or the name Heartbreak Hotel. It just abandons that as quickly as possible. That is a good point. It It's almost revolted by its own genius idea. Um, <laughs> and then it, it, it lands upon a different idea, which is perfectly fine for a Freddy's Nightmare episode. It just has nothing to do with the title or the setup. I just... I wish they had folded it in a little bit better. It's just like you're eating a piece of bread and finding a large lump of lard or <laughs> butter in it. You're like, this should be incorporated, not yeah, just be, left to sit. It's not not delicious, but it could be more delicious. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just don't want a chunk of it. You want it spread out evenly, and this one just has chunks. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, but Freddy's in his liminal space. He's like, I love this paper. It's not afraid to lie. Um, and yeah, he was fake news before anyone else is fake news. He's great. It's just on the bleeding edge. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So happy. The, the, the country he's left me. Thanks for nothing. Freddy Krueger, child murderer entertainer. <laughs> and I actually wrote in my notes, um, he better do a goddamn Elvis impression. And he does not. He so does really not. Does... There's so much. This is the problem. You set up an episode that says Elvis, Heartbreak Hotel. I'm expecting certain things. Those things do not include recycling a demon Freddy baby from Dream Child into your television show uncommented on and no elvis impressions in fact the only elvis return happens in the next segment it's not even in this segment it's upsetting and i just i don't know what i'm gonna do with my half edited uh youtube compilation of horror stars doing elvis impressions because now (laughs) i only have the clip from leprechaun 3 Um, it's it's a bummer. I, I wish there was more of it, but it, nothing is to be found here. It, although what is to be found is Violet, um, the room service lady with her chewy molasses accent. Yeah. Um, she shows up with chocolate cake, cheesecake, and two pots of coffee <laughs> because he needs to stay up all night to write this Elvis story. Um, and he keeps... well because. Okay, so the the bellhop or the the manager of the hotel tells him like, "Oh, Elvis is out. Um, he's on tour with John Longpaws Lennon." He really had to think about that name. I, I, it's probably he might as well just be saying line. Um, <laughs> but or there was again that stage manager off to the side revisiting this episode is like stretch, stretch. It is a it is a pregnant pause. And Violet is a pregnant room service lady. <laughs> True. Good transition. Thank you. Um, so basically, first of all, he's like, oh, my God, let me help you. You're so pregnant. <laughs> but but then she she's just like, no, nah, Lottie, I think the baby's coming. <laughs> and and he, 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 at first, he offers her coffee. Then he offers her water. None of which he, the, this lady needs. She needs to go to a hospital. 
Yeah, like I I know that like from like TV shows and movies and stuff like the instinct when you're having a home birth is to boil water for whatever reason, but I'm like I don't think coffee translates. <laughs> no, this and, guy is not prepared for this moment. It absolutely is, not. Mm, no. Um, but also, I mean, I know coffee can have adverse effects on the baby's health, but like when it's when the baby is this soon, maybe not. <laughs> no, I you know I don't. When you get to this stage of pregnancy, like you can have a glass of wine and stuff like that, you're you're beyond the developing stage so much. You're you're basically cooking it to the point where you got a cake. Um, you, you all the batter and everything is there and it's incorporated. You're just like adding some frosting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, wine or a rosé frosting. It's nice. It's a nice yeah. touch. Well, you know what? If you are nine months pregnant... You're having that glass of wine, and you fucking deserve it. It's a lot of goddamn work. I can only imagine, but I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just already, what, is, what isn't happening in this episode? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then basically, his motivation is that he really wants to get to this interview with the Chicago Tribune, which he keeps telling to his boss, which I don't think is how jobs work. <laughs> No, you should not inform your boss that you are having an interview with a competing paper. And yeah, especially when you want a favor from her because he wants to be off of this story. No, no, you just like, why didn't he just write the story? It's, why is he sent there as if this is a, a job in which you need on location reporting? You just, yeah. if you're going to make stuff up, you can make stuff up from your desk. You don't have to travel across the country to do it, everybody. Like, this is a job based in imagination. Yeah. Again, writers on TV, it just doesn't work. Um, (laughs) But basically, he pitches a story about, like, oh, what if, you know, this woman's baby is born with devil horns? Because she mentions how the father isn't in the picture, so he immediately assumes that it's the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's his thought process, because he's used to making stuff up. That's so true. at least there's a basis for his thinking in that he extrapolates things into their most fantastical because that was what he's asked to do on a weekly basis. You know what? Good point. A plus episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he does wake up, but he's in the hospital still. And they're like, oh, that baby was stillborn, but it had horns. And he's like, you gotta let me take pictures of this dead baby. And they're like, uh, no. No, that's not how things work around here. Um, yeah, it's, it's macabre. <laughs> um, but then he gets back to the hotel. He has a message. Um, he is rejected by the New York Times for having terrible punctuation and spelling. She makes that up. She crinkle, Gloria Loring crinkles an, an empty envelope in it. <laughs> then she tells him that it, he is uh, rejected because of his poor pronoun usage, which is, believe it or not, set up for the ending of this episode. That's right. This is a grammar nightmare. <laughs> which would be, I would be so on board if it had any bearing on like the actual plot of this. <laughs> it doesn't. It's set up and it does pay off, but it has nothing to do with the middle. Nothing whatsoever. Yeah, um, a mess, a mess. Um, also, really clunky setup. There's a newspaper tycoon who's yelling at some other newspaper person, um, <laughs> and then they wander off to have a different scene somewhere else. Because um, why would we need to see it? Yeah, yeah of course not. 
Um, but then he's talking to the the ancient bellhop again. He's like, "All right, did is anything going on?" He's like, "Well, there was that murder last year." Um, and so the the guy says, "Well, I didn't see his face." So Roger's like, "Okay, there was a faceless killer. I can work with this." <laughs> <laughs> I'll fill in all the details later. Sure. Yeah, and then he he has a dream where he is some kind of Nazi officer taking a bubble bath. Yeah, I was a little confused by this. I thought maybe I had missed something and I went back and like, no, this is just a flight of fancy in which he is assuming all the details of something. Again, he doesn't need to be at the hotel in order to do this. This is something he could do from his own bathtub. But for some reason, it's happening here. And, and, you know, thank God for it, because we wouldn't have this show otherwise. This is very true. They got they have time to fill, and this is what they filled it with. Yep. But yeah, he, he dreams that he's electrocuted in the bathtub, and then he wakes up in the bath, and his li- the light bulb explodes, and a wire comes falling out of the ceiling. As wires are very apt to do, because the only thing holding them in place is the glass and the light bulb. We all know this about electrical wires. Yeah, no, they they, they just go straight up <laughs> into the ceiling, through into the sky. <laughs> so gravity really takes over once the glass shell is dispersed stuff so and you usually place them over bathtubs because both of those things are very real <laughs> yeah of course come on um so he he's like oh everything i write comes true um and then he basically oh gross yeah sorry he he wants to talk to the i just i peeked forward at my notes <laughs> um <laughs> He wants to kind of make nice with the uh, the newspaper tycoon guy so he can get a job because mm-hmm. I think at this point he was rejected by the Tribune already before his interview. The, tri- the Tribune has told him there's no need for him to come in for the interview. They've read his work. They don't like it. So, Which, fair. Fair. He's not a great writer. He, this, this is a uh, fool's errand, as they say. Yes, it is. Um, but so he, he's basically, he wants this guy to hire him, but when introducing himself, he takes a job, the jawbreaker out of his mouth and then tries to shake hands with, with, with that hand. And, (laughs) Ooh, I mean, that obviously hits different in 2020, but it should never have hit well. (laughs) It's a real interesting maneuver. Also, if your thing is, I always have a jawbreaker. You should have a jawbreaker caddy. I'm just saying, like, you have sport coats full of jawbreaker residue. Like, this is not a good maneuver. At one point, he pulls it out and starts picking lint off of it. Like, this is a thing you're putting back in your mouth. Like, be prepared. Yeah. Or uh, abandon it. Or throw it in the trash. You've got plenty. He truly is a despicable human being, just kind of in general. He's not good. He's not great. Like, he's not a hero. Let's put it that way. As soon as, he, as soon as he determines that he has the power to manifest the things that he writes, he instantly sets about murdering somebody. He's not good people. Oh, no, absolutely not. Because, yeah, so basically he, he wants this billionaire's money. And so he writes a headline of, like, billionaire leaves empire to reporter after he takes poison. Yeah. And not even, like, billionaire hires reporter for a huge deal. It's like, no, he kills himself. Again, this is the pronoun use. 
that comes back from the beginning. And if, you know, there's, there, it could be said that Freddie says trans rights now out of this prown, pronoun use, you know, gotcha. I but could be, could be, I wouldn't, but, <laughs> um, and th- this show so far, only one transphobic joke in one whole season. So like, that's a pretty good track record for the eighties for the, for the time frame, I think you're running on good rails here. Yeah. So you know what? Yeah. Freddie says trans rights. Sure. Um, but yeah, so basically he shows back up to the reporter's room or the, the tycoon's room. He's like, I might look like a slob. I might be a slob, but I'm a young, hip, smart slob. He's and neither young nor hip, but okay. He is, in fact, a slob. He's also he not is, smart. in fact, a slob. He does look like a poor version of Magnum P.I. It's not a good look. He's not even as cool as Fletch. It's a bad maneuver. He's, his hands are full of jawbreaker residue. <laughs> it's just he's terrible he's a terrible person yeah and the well look the and also the way the show casts young is baffling um <laughs> i i know the camera adds 10 years but this is ridiculous no he does not look young and also it was a different time for aging so you know i'm sure he was in the prime of his youth or whatever but it he does come off as not neither young nor hip it's it's really weird yeah uh, you know he's an enigma wrapped in a mystery truly Um, i mean if you want young and hip you cast cameraman jesus from the previous episode (laughs) with his luscious uh, beautiful lips he does have a great look on mouth i mean if we're being honest with you those are some luscious ass lips (laughs) yeah um but anyway so they the tycoon's like well that's the kind of moxie i'm looking for let's drink on it and so there's arsenic in the reporter's drink and he's like oh no my drink and his his uh his boss gloria loring she's like oh um you know billionaire gives you know his company to a reporter after he takes poison she's like well you know that's your problem you never got the pronouns right never got the pronouns right and you're like this is grammar horror. It's just like your English teacher is like, "Yay, I'm gonna show this in class." Oh, I wish. Um, I did have I did have an English teacher who, when we were doing a Taming of the Shrew unit, showed us an episode of Moonlighting that was based hey. on Taming of the Shrew. So yeah, this would have fit right in there. It really would have. Well, Moonlighting had a budget and it had stars. Mm, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. It's dumb, and this part's over. So, but we do meet a person named Doctor Copage. Yes, we Which do. Is, is that like a decoupage pun? I don't know what the point of this is because Doc in Copage? the next segment, she she corrects somebody. Are you Doctor Copage? And she goes, "It's Copage." What? I just think we were all about that joke in the eighties of someone's name being really weird and fancy. <laughs> I mean, this is barely the '80s at this point. We're we're really trending '90s here. Yeah, we're absolutely the ass end. Like th- this mm. season ends in 1990, where where Freddie does not belong. <laughs> no, he really doesn't, as witnessed by everything that happens in the '90s. He didn't really didn't belong in 1989 either. Okay, fair. We also got the Dream Child. What a great oh, banner year for him. It is a terrible, him. terrible movie. It is. 
the worst. It might be the worst. It uh, absolutely is. It's it thinks it's being so progressive that it really loops around in an Ouroboros into um, a very conservative, terrible mindset where parents are stealing fetuses from young women. It's just, a, a, it is a nightmare, but not a fun nightmare. It is, it is, it is a terrible movie on a base level. Yeah, it, it it's, I, I, despise that movie um but yeah so uh freddie closes this out now there's a good reason to do your english homework learn the use of the proper pronoun or die so okay that's that's a good that's a good line for trans rights so sure yeah good on freddie the the rest of it i was like i don't know about that um (laughs) if you have just have that gif though i think we can make that happen and i think it would be a boon for the community and i could get behind it and we can really push this i agree um and yeah, that's the one good thing that came out of that. Um, Elvis does get carted by in the hospital. <laughs> finally, finally, we have an Elvis reference, and just you know, just a, a, a little taste of what could have been. <laughs> um, but then the, the the second story opens mysteriously with a gurney being rolled by, and an, you know, like a dead arm has flopped out of the gurney. It's just knocking shit down in the hallway, and then it kind of the dead arm strokes a, a woman's ass a teenager's ass i might add yeah and then then starts the story so <laughs> as all great stories do where a dead hand gropes a teenager <laughs> yeah so we're really on on the right foot here <laughs> oh, um so basically rachel and her daughter sally are here to collect an amnesia victim from dr copage um he has been thrown from his car or his car like launched over a cliff. He has full amnesia, doesn't recognize his wife, Rachel and his daughter, Sally. Um, and she, and (sighs) (laughs) Freddie does have a moment where he's like, I cherish my memories playing with bodies in the winter, torturing animals in the spring. And I was like, Oh no, he's going to do all the seasons. Isn't he? Um, he does stop before he hits summer. Um, (laughs) let's, let's put this out there. Freddie is not a summer person. He just, he doesn't, it's not his thing. He wears a sweater. That's not summer wear. Like you can get away with it in the brisk spring. You can certainly wear one in the winter. And of course, fall should be sweater weather. But summer, not so much. And I I respect, you know, that he's drawing boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) At least he knows himself. Uh, even if no one else quite knows him. I, I certainly don't. <laughs> no, it's impossible. Um, but yeah, so basically this guy, Jerry, um, <laughs> his his wife and daughter... And he looks exactly like a Jerry. <laughs> he truly That's does. the best casting in the entire thing. You see that guy, you're like, that's a Jerry. Yeah, no, so this is a much better, much better cast than the, you know, young, hip, smart character from previously. Um... Yeah, so Dr. Kapaj is like, well, the first memories to return are usually in dreams, so you should sleep an inhuman amount. <laughs> you should basically exist in a coma. That would be best for your memory. Yeah, and also, I was like, that is how things work in TV shows where people only dream things that happened to them 10 years ago, but <laughs> none of my dreams are actual memories. 
No, I, I, a couple days ago, I dreamt about constantly cleaning the refrigerator. You know what isn't that clean right now? My refrigerator. <laughs> that is not a dream based in fact. Perhaps a distant memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did reorganize it, at, uh, you know, like three weeks ago, but I didn't endlessly clean it all night like in my dream. That's just more a stress thing. That's not really like, oh, I'm revealing the inner truth of my life. Yeah, exactly. Although um, my most recent dream was pretty accurate, I guess. Um, also a stress dream because it's the only kind I know. <laughs> um, but this one was, it was just me in a crowd trying to clock anyone who wasn't wearing a mask. So it was just really <laughs> no relief. <laughs> um, but yes, so he they move him to a hotel so he can convalesce and they keep just feeding him sleeping pills. Um and they try to jump. I mean, she, the wife shows up to retrieve a, an amnesiac husband in a evening gown. One would wear on a date night. Let's put it that way. This isn't, I need to retrieve my husband who was in an accident dress. This is a very different look. People don't have low cut. It's time to pick up my husband from the hospital dresses. Well, get low cut. Let's take a four hour drive to Ohio <laughs> dresses. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, for her purposes, it works because he gets full on, you know, boing, boing eyes. Yes. Um, he's like, uh, he says something about like, I had terrible taste in clothes, but great taste in wives. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I wrote that down. Like, what is that? And and the way he says wives is like, good taste in wives. Like, what what vowels are you extending here? What is going on? All the disgusting ones. <laughs> Just all of it seems wrong and bad. And, you know, for a person without a memory, you seem to be going penis first into this memory recovery. And that's not maybe your best move here. Yeah, it's because to him, he's he's trying to pork a stranger. <laughs> um, and but he, just... he is being led on because she does reveal that for Christmas she gave him a golf shirt. And that's a real green light for Bone Town. You're so right. And, you know, I, I did, he does approach... Heterosexuals Sorry. are weird, Brennan. That's what we're going to learn in this episode. No, I, I do believe it. I've, I've seen your work. <laughs> um, but so... He he does kind of have this lecherous quality to him. Like he does walk in on his daughter doing homework, and he starts rubbing her shoulders, which she oh my god visibly detests. And he's like, "You know what? I know we were fighting before this accident, but can we forget the whole thing? I certainly have." <laughs> like I mean, the dad joke works, but also don't touch people you don't know. This is especially like children. I mean, she's yeah, a teenager. Don't don't give people shoulder rubs. Every part of this is just signaling that he's a bad person, which of course we know him to be, because this is Freddy Nightmares, and one of these three people has to be a bad person, and he looks like the most bad person out of this group. Accurate. I mean, the twist ending is that they're all kind of bad people. <laughs> um, but... I don't know that you can call something a twist. I would call it a slow loop. Because it becomes very obvious very early on that these people are not this guy's wife and daughter. 
Yeah, because he he looks through his wife's wallet trying to look for sleeping pills because that's where you keep them. As you do. As I do constantly. I mean, I know that my wife, Becky, does not have sleeping pills. But what if I look in her purse and she has some? Then I got them. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And he finds a picture of her with a different man. And she's like, oh, that's Frank, your business partner. He introduced us. He's your best friend. That's why I have a picture with him in my wallet. (laughs) As you do. Well, you know, at this time, people didn't have phones. So normally you have phone pictures of all sorts of people. Um, But, yeah. it Again, Jerry, not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's um, a big-time dummy. Oh yeah, and he he has he starts oh he does start having memory dreams of him knocking down Wallet Man and injecting air into his veins, <laughs> over and over and over again. And you're kind of wondering like, I know what's happening here, but when will the show tell me that I'm right? And the answer is a lot longer than you want it to. Yeah, th- these scenes just kind of repeat endlessly. <laughs> Of him just kind of goobering around with, with them and then dreaming more details of this dream. And then eventually it is revealed that, of course, he's not her husband. He yeah. was actually the business partner and he murdered her husband. And she's like, revenge is only sweet when the person you're punishing knows what they did. <laughs> <laughs> this is after they extort him to take a sleeping pill like over and over again to the point where someone should walk into the scene with a t-shirt that reads take a sleeping pill (laughs) yeah it's really the motto of this it's the mantra of this family um (laughs) and yeah so she does she kill him on screen um i don't remember yeah i mean she they uh they finally drug him to the point where he wakes up in bed tied up and they of course say uh hey dum-dum we're not your wife and daughter we're your your business partner's wife and daughter. And now that you've told us that from your dream, you know that you killed him and injected him with air, it's time to do the same thing to you. And they do. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> they set an intention and they followed they did. through. All the while in the background, there's a constant synth farting that happens. <laughs> That's um, Freddy's Nightmare's idea of musical accompaniment. It It is a mystery and frequently is louder than the dialogue in this show in general. Luckily, this episode was a little better about that. <laughs> but it does feel like someone who um, has put on a blindfold and is just hitting random chords on a synthesizer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like they think that John Carpenter came up with the score for Halloween, like in a monkeys and typewriters kind of way. <laughs> it really does. It's not music so much as an expression of tones. Yeah, it, you know, it, you could describe music that way, but this is not that. <laughs> this um, is not music, no. So we close out with Freddie. He says... I honestly couldn't even tell what he was saying. But he's like, memories, something, something, something. And then he pulls out his own medulla oblongata. <laughs> Which could be just like, it, it's so dark in these scenes because you can't actual, actually show gore. So it's just, it, it, it could be like a, a half a sandwich from Arby's, for all we know. Like, there's no... and And also... It has gone from red-green lighting to blue-purple. 
just Freddy Krueger has a as a tone, right? It's green and red. If you mistake what it is, his sweater is green and red. Yes, it's a good mnemonic device is to look down <laughs> and look down. He and as much as I love bisexual lighting, it doesn't really work on Freddy Krueger. You need green and red. Don't put blue and pink on him. It just doesn't work. Yeah, and Freddy is all red tones. That's his whole deal. <laughs> yes. And, you know, luckily, Freddy doesn't appear too dry here. There was a period of time in the movies where Freddy was bone dry on the edge of ashy. And you're like, mm, I need Freddy to be moist. He just <laughs> needs some natural moisture to him. And here he's um, still, a, he's got a little shine. But it's not as moist as I need it to be. He just needs a spritz. Yeah, he's he's got like a dab of cocoa butter, but not really anything else to work with. <laughs> and he needs that moisture because he's, he, he's a burn victim. So, like, you need him to be moist at all times. I don't want to see dry Freddy. Anytime Freddy gets dry, it's bad news. Yeah, I Freddy needs to be wet. The, uh, I'm just not even going to, I'm not going to conclude that joke. <laughs> no, um, I think you hit gold with Freddy needs to be wet, Brennan. Let's yes. just, let's put a pin in it. You nailed it in one. Perfect. So what's your final thoughts on this episode? <laughs> Was it a dream, a nightmare, or did it put you to sleep? I would put this more in the dream circumstance for the second one. This is, uh, you know, for a guy who... Uh, directed a lot of Tales from the Crypt. I think the the second part of the the episode is more in line with the things that um, he kind of does, you know, w that William Malone was comfortable with doing. It feels more moralistic, like it has <clears throat> a point of view. The first segment is a bit more confused. It's not... It's not uh, as bad as the sort of I'm a cameraman who doesn't understand that no one else sees Freddy. Like, there was no story there. Both these segments have a story. And so I would put these more on, like, I wasn't um, edified, but I was entertained. Okay, that's, that's good. Um, so you d won't hate me um, no. after this process. Um, but yeah, for me... I think it, it, this one was to put me to sleep. I just, I couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on here. Um, I mean, it, not that it was incoherent. I was just like the, the ruthlessly like maniacal energy of the Roger portion and then the really slow repetitive nature of the other one. It was just, it's kind of like crashing into a brick wall. And I was just like, I, I can't handle this. <laughs> I can see that. I'm not, no, I'm not mad at you. I just feel like on paper, these things made a little bit more sense that is necessarily true. than than the previous episode did um uh, and i think they're more probably typical of a freddy's nightmare where you're where freddy isn't the central focus once you inject freddy as like he's a he's an actual component of this mixture i'm putting it on another level if you put a xenomorph in something I put it in, like, I can't help but go, well, I'm judging this on the alien scale. You that is put fair. Freddy there, I'm putting it on, on a Nightmare on Elm Street scale. 
But when Freddy is just the horror host, I think I'm just judging it on the individual thing. Now, could it have been better? Oh, of course it could have. But that, that, I also... We, we understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I'm at. Okay. Well, I'm happy to hear it. We got, you know, we, we all learned something today. We really did. Don't kill your business partner. And uh, just if someone says their pronouns, just accept it. Like, it's no skin off your teeth. It's really okay to allow people to set their own parameters of how they're viewed. It's not about you. Yeah, and it, it's not difficult. No, it really, really, really isn't. And, you know, Freddie says trans rights, so Freddie says you should donate to the Ochre Project. You damn <laughs> um, well should, yes. You can donate through the link in the show notes. Take a screenshot of your receipt and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com. You can DM it to me on social media as well. You can find me on Twitter at Brands and Instagram at The Burning Clem. And Patrick, where can the good people find you out on the internet? Kill by Kill Bot is available anywhere that uh, podcasts are. Um, I'm on Twitter at Kill by Kill Pod. Um, it's just, it's basically just me. It, it should be the show, but I abandoned that two years ago. Uh, we have a Facebook group and page, and we're on Instagram at Kill by Kill Pod. Come join us. We, we talk about uh, fun horror movies, and we have great guests like Brennan. Oh, thank you. And and they do. They, I, I, I've only been on two, and I like all the other episodes as well so oh thank you that warms my heart oh, sir you're welcome um but yes what else oh yes our our our, uh, our artwork was created by henry hall if you'd like to support trans artists and you should you can send him a commission at henryhall.design our theme song is living in a dream by pseudo echo rate and review us and next episode where patrick will be free and not present <laughs> um it's called welcome to springwood Doug and Roxanne move to Springwood, but while Doug's at work, Roxanne begins to unpack and discovers that a mix-up with the movers has left their house filled with someone else's possessions. In the boxes, she finds bloody knives and shredded dresses. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Emily... Who's Emily? <laughs> Emily discovers a stack of 19th century love letters hidden... What the fuck? <laughs> hidden behind a panel in her new home, and she begins... As you do. She begins to envision the relationships of the authors. So that sounds oh, more... That's, that's grade A nightmare fuel. I can <laughs> see how that's going to keep me up all night. Yeah, Freddy Krueger presents the hours. <laughs> <laughs> There's no better recipe for uh, just frights and scares. Spooks and goblins abound. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but yeah, anyway, thanks so much for joining us, Patrick. And Thank you. To all the people out there, you know, just do your thing. I hope you're doing all right. <laughs> Bye. Be well. Stay safe. Stay inside. Wear a mask. Yeah, yes. Do that. Listen to Patrick. Listen to Gloria Loring. <laughs>